0: Pastor Chris's podcast. So, how do you know if a person is really a Christian? What evidence proves it? If you ask 10 different people, you might get 10 different answers. Some might say, you know, someone's a real Christian if they can pray for someone to be healed and they are healed. Or if they prophesy what's going to happen tomorrow or next week and it actually happens then you might think that's a real Christian. Others might say a real Christian is someone that reads their Bible and knows what it all means. They can explain how Jesus died on the cross to save us our, from our sins. They are a real Christian because they know Christian doctrine and they can explain how, all of how it works. Another person might argue, no. What it really comes down to, it all comes down to faith. It's only by faith that a person is a real Christian. And yet another might retort, but what about good works? Someone who does good things and gives to the poor and helps the needy, that shows that they are a real Christian. Someone else might say, yeah, but what about the martyrs, people who have died for their faith? Surely that's indisputable evidence that they are truly a Christian, maybe the best Christian of all, Well, the members of the first church of Corinth were all talking about those same things and arguing about what does it mean to be a Christian? And who is the best Christian? And some were even saying, I'm a better Christian than you because I can do this or I can do that. Or they were saying, I believe this or I believe that. And that means I'm a better Christian than you. And so in answer... Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians, the first letter to the Corinthians, and we've been studying that 13th chapter where it all sort of comes to a head. And in the first three verses, here's what he wrote. He said, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And so Paul is saying that it's not supernatural powers. It's not knowledge about the Bible or Christian doctrine. It's not doing good or being good. It's not even dying as a martyr for your faith that proves you're a Christian. Paul says it all comes down to love. Love is what proves you are truly a Christian. When the love of God lives in you and you love others as God loves you, that's proof that you are a Christian. But the kind of love we're talking about is not necessarily the type of love that the world often talks about. And so Paul goes on to explain what God's love is like, the kind of love that we are to have and to show. And today I want to finish our series on Paul's words about love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4-7. through Today we learn that love endures forever. Let me read that to you from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So I saw on Facebook this week that Kate Roberts got a personal record, um, ran the fastest race that she'd ever run in cross country, which was pretty amazing. Cross country racing is an endurance sport. The runners push themselves to their physical limits racing uh, long distances, competing as a team. They train their bodies to to, uh, endure the pain and the physical strain and the exhaustion from running these long distances. And uh, I was talking to Kevin in Sunday school this morning. He said that she had ran um, a 5K, which is a little over three miles in less than, well, it was 19 minutes and like 46 seconds or something, which is pretty amazing, that uh, Of course, with those big long legs, I'm sure she can really give. But you, if you ever drive up and down Cleveland Highway, you'll see that she's out there all the time running. And so it doesn't happen by accident. She trains hard to be able to do that. And she does it well. Endurance is the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. How in the world, you might ask, does that, does endurance, have anything to do with with love, why is that in the definition of love? Well, that's if you're young and in love. <laughs> when you're old and in love, you've endured quite a bit, maybe, and you realize, yeah, that does belong there. Well, I hope that you know now by, uh, if you've been in this series and, and heard the messages, you've learned that real love, God's love, is not about how someone makes you feel. Love is not a mere emotion. It's not about the pleasure that we derive because we like being around someone, because they make us feel good, because we enjoy the way they look or the way they talk or the way they are, the things that we like doing with them. Love is a gift that we give to others, regardless of whether we get anything at all in return. And sometimes, love, real love, has to endure many things that we don't like about the other person. As a parent, I can tell you that I didn't enjoy it at all when my kids were young, and I took, I think it was Grace and Gavin, to the movies. And uh, I enjoyed going to the movies. That was great. But then Grace got sick, and she threw up all over me in the middle of the theater. And I had to take her to the bathroom. She was really little. So I had a diaper bag, and thankfully I had a change of clothes for her in the diaper bag, but not for me. And we lived like 20 minutes from the theater. I mean, yeah, so I had to clean her up and change her, and then walk back through the public theater and get Gavin and get in the car and drive home with filth all over me. and um. I love my kids, but I didn't love that experience. I didn't like that experience, if you understand what I'm saying. And this is an example that shows you the the difference of what love is. And sometimes um, that's just a simple illustration, but what happens when um, you're, you know, for instance, when my brother had a, a drug addiction? And he was dealing with that. And, and my mom was trying to help him through that and going through the struggles of trying to figure out, you know, should I give him money or not? And he had a 401k and he was living off of his 401k and he was just depleting it all down. And, but he couldn't get access to the money he had to call my mom. And get him, her to wire the money. And the agony of her trying to decide whether or not to do it and whether it should be tough love or this or that. And how can you let your, your child um, go without food and, and all of the things that he needs? And the struggling through that was a terribly, was not something she liked doing at all. And I remember how he finally hit rock bottom. And she welcomed him back home and helped him get cleaned up over the course of about a month. He got back on track. And then I remember her calling me on the phone one day saying that he had relapsed and that he had left. And he went back into this spiraling condition for another six months. And I remember thinking to myself, I just don't, I just don't want to think about him anymore. I just wish I could, I was so angry and so hurt, I was thinking, I wish I could just write him off. And God spoke to my heart and said, but you can't do that, because that's not what love does. It would be easier not to feel the pain, but sometimes love endures, because that's what love does. And thankfully, he he got, he got finally came back around, and he came back and, began the road to recovery again, and here we are 20 years later, and I'm so thankful that now my brother is one who lives near my mother, and he's very close with her, and he often helps to take her to doctor's appointments, and, and, and goes, checks on her every day, and does all of those things, because now he's loving her in ways that she loved him. Love endures. As I've told you before, this passage was not originally written about the romantic love between a husband and a wife, yet it is a passage that is often read at weddings because it's such relevant advice to newlyweds. Our society is infatuated with the concept of romantic love, but unfortunately, popular culture through movies and music and other things has degraded the idea of romantic love until it really all it is about is how the person you love makes you feel. And so we've taken the greatest godly virtue of all, love, and we've sort of turned it upside down as the world Love in the world is not about selfless sacrifice, but it is about deriving pleasure at the expense of the person we love. And it is no wonder that so many people experience broken relationships, broken marriages, and are extremely confused and sometimes scarred when it comes to love. Our culture has created an idealized fantasy about love that really doesn't exist. It's just, a, it's just a, it's a fantasy, a fairy tale that we have told ourselves, but people will chase that fantasy, and when they fail to achieve it, or, or they fail to maintain the feeling of love, they somehow feel cheated, disillusioned, broken-hearted, and they wonder, Why can't I just find true love like everyone else? Because somehow we think everybody else is always happy and always feeling loving feelings for their partner. Can you imagine how it would revolutionize the world if our romantic relationships changed so that the prevailing notion of love became the biblical view of love. If it wasn't about how another person made you feel, but about how we gave ourselves to another person sacrificially. Ironically, you are more likely to find feelings of love when you stop chasing them and start giving yourself sacrificially to other people. You are more likely to have those romantic feelings. And they're more likely to to stay longer. And when a husband and a wife are both loving each other sacrificially, they will find stronger, more lasting, more intense feelings of attraction for each other over the long term. Now I want you to consider the never-ending, enduring love of God for the world. Of course, God created the universe and everything in it, the stars and the sky and the land and the sea, the plants and the animals and us. In sacrificial love, God gave us life. When humanity broke God's heart by turning against Him in sin, He didn't give up on us. He continued to love us because God's love endures forever. So God made ways to protect us, even protecting us the best that he could from our own sin while still allowing us the freedom to choose how we would live. And it's a miracle of God's love that we are still here after all we've done. You know, sometimes I will hear of people, of who, of people who are getting who get angry at God because there's so much evil and darkness in the world. And, and maybe they've, they've known of people who've been hurt um, or they've known of people who've suffered or even died. And they say, how can God allow these things to happen? And they get very angry and frustrated with God. And they forget that it's not God that caused these things. We, as people, have turned our back on God as a, as a humanity, and that is what brings evil into the world. And, and it is not that God has caused it, but God has allowed us the freedom to live our lives and to choose how we will live, and in spite of our wrong choices, he somehow finds a way for us to actually survive in this world that we have broken so badly. And it's an incredible miracle of God's love that he would even try to make it happen. And he does it so well despite our brokenness. But because he loves us so much, he doesn't give up on us despite the ways that we mess things up. And going all the way back to 4,000 years ago, God was working for our salvation. He chose a man named Abraham to begin the process of saving the world, even saving you. 4,000 years ago. Now think about that. 4,000 years. How long ago is that? Americans think of the American Revolution, and we think, that's a long time ago. I mean, they talked funny back then. They wore triangular hats, which were just crazy rode on horses, and I mean, this was a long time ago. That was only 245 years ago. 4,000 years ago, God was thinking about you. And he said, I'm going to choose this man, Abraham, a man of faith. And I'm going to use him and his descendants to save people in 2021 in Dalton, Georgia. And even when Abraham's descendants were slaves in Egypt, 600 years after Abraham lived, God's love endured and he kept working through the Israelites to save the world. And so God raised up Moses to deliver the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Because he says, I've got a plan and being in slavery and being in Egypt is not going to stop it. 3,000 years ago, God made David king of Israel. He said to him, I'm going to raise up one of your descendants and I will secure his royal line forever. His throne will endure forever. And God was talking about Jesus, who was David's great, 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 dot, dot, dot grandson. And so Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. And He lived as the perfect Lamb of God without sin or blemish. He gave His life sacrificially to atone for our sins, showing God's perfect, unconditional love for you. Jesus died not because He deserved it, but for our sake. And not because we deserved it, because we didn't deserve it. We deserved only punishment. But because of God's grace, Jesus gave Himself to atone for us. And through all of these thousands of years, God's love has endured. We've given God a million reasons to give up on us, but he never has and he won't because his love endures forever. He is hoping beyond hope that people will finally hear him calling and turn from their sins and receive his love and be saved. And God is hoping beyond hope That we will start to love God and to love our neighbor as Jesus has loved us. And that our love will endure through every circumstance because that's what love does. Love endures forever. And my mission, the reason that I've devoted my life to be a pastor, is so that more and more people will turn to God and receive his love and turn in love and love others the way God loves us. 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. All the things in this world that we think are so important right now will one day pass away. It won't matter what kind of clothes we wear or who we hang out with, or the kind of car we drive, or which house we live in. It won't matter which flag we salute, or whether we are Democrat or Republican. It won't even matter if the Braves win the World Series. 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve through 13 says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then... We will see everything with perfect clarity. All that we know now is partial, incomplete. But then we will know everything completely, just as God knows us completely. Three things, he says, will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Gracious Father, Thank you for loving us with a love that has endured through all of our stupidity and foolishness and mistakes and willful disobedience and unwillful disobedience. you have endured. Your love is endured. and you continue to love us, and you continue to hope for us. You continue to call us to repentance. You continue to call us back to be in a loving embrace with you and to be in harmony with one another through your love. I pray, O Lord, that today everyone who hears this message will hear your heart, will hear you calling, and will make a choice to love you and to love neighbors. Lord, help us to repent of our sin and to turn to you through Christ so that we can endure in your love for all eternity, in that eternal life that you promised to those who are Christians. Father God, we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.